Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is I Need No Name, and due to numerous scheduling conflicts, today we have a brand new podcaster here on the show. Everyone, please welcome Teddy's son, who is graciously stepping in because no one else could be with me today. And Teddy, he is recording this, what is it, 3 a.m. or something, where he is right now. And I just have to thank him so much for doing this with us. And hey, Teddy, how are you doing today? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I had a pretty decent day for my standards, which I guess isn't saying too much. But um, it's as you can as you've mentioned, it's my first podcast, and I'm a little nervous, but I'm hoping that I'll be able to do a good enough job. Yeah, this is part of BFW's new recruitment drive. You can find the details on our blog, but we are recruiting writers and podcasters for the upcoming season. So please do send in your submissions. Teddy here, he gets in basically on the grandfather clause really because he was already on the Slack and no one else was there. So anyway, Teddy, so um, anything going on with Bayern Munich lately? Uh, well, the season has obviously just finished with a disappointing but ultimately meaningless 2-2 draw against Wolfsburg. And um, mm-hmm. it was a pretty rough past three weeks, I guess. I don't think there's been a season in recent memory that we've ended three games winless in a row. But all the same, I can also kind of understand where the team is coming from. They're basically mentally clocked out, as is the coach. Um, the one thing I am slightly disappointed in is that Julian Nagelsmann could have used these three games to maybe try something new, some new approaches, new players, and everything like that. And then to his credit, I think he did um, utilize some new talents against Wolfsburg, like the likes of Jamal Muziala, Josef Stanisic, and also David Vidovic, Christian Fruchto, and so on and so forth. So I commend them for that. I would have preferred the result be better than it was, but it is what it is. We've lifted the Meisterschale regardless. And now it's time to say goodbye to another season and get ready for, well, the coming season, I guess. Okay. Wow, Teddy, you gave me a lot of stuff to think about. But the thing is that you did not answer my question, which is that, is there anything else going on with Bayern Munich at the moment? Well, obviously, we need to address the elephant in the room, which is... I mean, it didn't have to be an elephant. Oh, yeah, but it's... (laughs) It became an elephant. It ballooned into whatever it is now. There's been a lot of talk about Lewandowski and whether he's going this summer, whether he's staying. Um, I know the management, the likes of Hasan Salihamidzic, Oliver Kahn, and Uli Hoeneß are saying, Herbert Heiner as well, I know they're saying that he's going to fulfill his contract until next summer. Um, But I'm also hearing stuff that Lewandowski himself has said that he will be pushing for a move this summer. So it'll be interesting to see where this saga goes and in which direction it goes and how it ends up. Will we see Lewandowski for another year or will we have to say goodbye to him this summer? So, yeah, so I guess that's what we're talking about. Yeah, that's the thing. That's pretty much the biggest topic at Bayern Munich right now. I have seen a tweet from Aimea Sanmia talking about Uli Hernes and how he's so annoyed that all we're talking about is these contract extensions, even though we just won our 10th league title in a row. But like, Uli, come on, this is the most important thing right now. I mean, is there anything more important than the prospect of losing the best striker in the world? I don't think so. 
that being said, we have been talking about this for a while. So I won't blame anyone by retreading the same points that we've already gone over. Instead, I want to play a little game. And it's my favorite kind of game because it's the blame game. Let's talk about who's at fault here. So Teddy, tell me, did the board mess up? Should it have ever gotten to this point with Robert Lewandowski? We knew his intentions more or less. Should it have gotten to the point where Barcelona seemed like they're about to sign him and they seem ready to pay a fee as well? I don't know why, but they do. And he's ready to leave. He's explicitly told us and even in the media he's told us that he's ready to leave that's a huge step what do you think um well i think as much as we love to play the blame game i don't think it's fair to place the blame on just one side of the argument that being said i do think that the board is responsible for letting this saga become what it is now because we've heard talks all season long about whether Lewandowski is going to extend this contract or not, especially with this contract expiring next summer. And we've heard the same basic answers from the board saying that we're not going to sell him, we're going to extend with him. And of course, the topic of Erling Haaland must be mentioned as well, because there were rumors that we were seeking him as a Lewandowski replacement. But Every time that we were linked to him, it was just, no, we don't have the money for Holland. We're just going to retain Lewandowski's services. He's the best striker in the world. He's not going anywhere. We would be crazy to let him go. But look where it has ended up right now. So all I'm saying is that it seemed like there was a lot of smoke blown over by the board, but not really a flame that actually lit the negotiations necessary to either extend with Levy or find a better solution. And while I obviously don't know exactly what is going on behind the scenes, especially with conflicting reports coming out in recent days, I can't help but feel kind of sympathetic to Lewandowski's situation. It has been said that while he does want to seek a new challenge, he was also very open to staying at Bayern, or that's what the media said. And I feel like if we did start negotiations sooner, it probably wouldn't have become as messy as it is right now. And so that I think the board does have to take a lot of responsibility, Re- regardless of whether or not Levy wants to go abroad or not for a new challenge. If we really did want to keep him, we should have done more to actually convince him that we want him to stay. And that I believe is on the board. Yeah, I will go a little bit further than you. I guess you have decided to take the balanced route on this, which is good because someone needs to balance me out. As you know, I think the board has completely and utterly dropped the ball on this transfer. And not just this one, it is a pattern with these guys ever since, let me think, ever since 2019 or so, when we took way too long to start talks with Tiago, Thomas Muller, and David Alaba, Okay. Let me explain my point because this goes back a long way. Tiago Alcantara, when he was entering the final 18 months of his contract, that is when we should have begun talks. We didn't. We delayed, we delayed, we delayed, and we opened talks after the Chelsea game. That was around three or four months later than we should have. Even so, he got very close to a deal. He was very close to signing. But by the point that he was close to shine, signing, 
he had only one year left on his contract. That is a critical juncture in a player's career. At that point, they start thinking, okay, maybe I should actually go somewhere else, you know? And that's when Klopp came in. He came in with his charm offensive and he snapped Thiago up. He had a contract right there, ready for him to sign and he backed out. Just imagine that for a second. And then, it, and then our board didn't learn their lesson. It happened again. David Alaba, okay? We should have started our negotiations with him ages before we started. And then he hired that guy, the Piranha, Penny Zahavi, and we got played by them, okay? It was clear they were stalling for time with us. And because we started negotiations so late, we did not realize they were stalling until it was way too late, until they were well into Alaba's final year of his contract, and he already had a very sweet move to Real Madrid lined up. That is unforgivable in my view, okay? They should have known and they should have started negotiations earlier so they could have ascertained his intentions and then sold him, okay? But I will cut them some slack. There was a lot going on with the pandemic. Maybe we could have salvaged it. Then it happened again. Nikola Zula. We knew his contract was running out, okay? Anyone can go on transfermarkt.com and see how long these player contracts last. And instead of going to him with a new contract saying, Sula, we want this from you. We expect this. This is our contract offer. And he could have given us his counter offer, whatever, started negotiations. Instead of that, we started stalling. We did not talk to him. We did not talk to his agent. And then when we finally made our offer, it was too late. Sula was in his final year of his contract, well into his final year. And once that happened, his head was already done. Once someone gets into their final year, it's more lucrative for them to move than it is for them to stay. Because every time a player moves on a free transfer, the transfer fee that would have gone to the club always goes to the player as a signing bonus. I don't doubt that Sula is getting a hefty signing bonus from Borussia Dortmund for signing for them, even though his salary is lower than what it could have been if he had signed for Bayern Munich. The big problem with all these stalling tactics, though, is the fact that they annoy the players. They make the players feel undervalued. And this is something that I think the board is forgetting. These guys are human. And not only are they human, they're humans with really massive egos. They want their egos to be stroked, and the board just didn't do that. And I get it. They needed to be financially prudent. But by doing that, they have put Bayern Munich in a position where we need to replace so much. We need to spend so much money just to get back to the level that we were already at in 2019-20. And then, worst part is, it's happening again. Look at Serge Gnabry and Robert Lewandowski. Once again, the talks start way too late. And once they start, the offers aren't good enough. Gnabry, he has received an offer, finally, after lots and lots of deliberation. And it's still not good enough for him. Apparently, he's been given an offer that would put him in the same wage bracket as Kingsley Coman and Leroy Sané, which obviously, in my opinion, is too much for him. But he has been given that offer and he's decided to sit on it. Just imagine that. He's thinking, they have not valued me so far. So why should I stay here? Maybe I can go somewhere else. And maybe I might not earn as much, but I'll be valued. And there is a question of player value. And these players want to be valued, want to feel like they're being valued. And if they don't feel like they're being valued, sometimes the money won't make up for it. And here's what we're seeing with Lewandowski. We are seeing a player who deserved everything from Bayern Munich. He deserved the courtesy of having his future clarified 
due to what he's done for the club and the position he has within this club. Instead, what did he get? He got relentless statements and rumors in the media about a competitor being signed in Erling Haaland. Then what did he get? He got stalling, evasive answers from the board, and finally, right at the end, once it was confirmed that Erling Haaland was going to Man City, only then did Lewandowski get approach for a new contract. At that point, he had enough. He decided, no, no thanks, I'm not going to stay. And that's the big problem I see with this transfer, is the fact that Lewandowski doesn't seem to want to leave because of any professional reasons. We hear the topic that he wants to win the Ballon d'Or by going to Barcelona, but I think he knows that he won't be as comfortable in Barcelona as he is at Bayern Munich. I think he knows that he's taking a huge step, uprooting his entire career just to go to La Liga for a few seasons where he might not even be successful. But why is he doing it? He's just fed up with Bayern Munich. And that is a complete failure on the human side of negotiations that the board needs to answer for. Please, Teddy, tell me if I'm going too far, but that is how I think it is. No, I don't think you're going too far at all. And I agree with a lot of what you said, especially I especially identify with the human aspect because so many times us as football fans forget that these players are human after all. They might get paid millions of dollars or euros or whatever to just kick a ball around, but they are human. As much as they're embellished in the media or how famous they are, they live different lives than us, but ultimately we are the same and they have the same emotions as us. Everyone wants to be appreciated. And that is one thing I think, the, I think, and I agree with you on, that the board has failed to deliver on. With the, with the examples of Tiago and Alaba, of course, there might be I've heard conflicting reports about them as well that, I mean, especially with Alibi, I've heard that the offer that we initially gave him was not good enough. And for some reason, the media tried to paint him as the villain in the saga. But I completely agree with the more recent examples in Niklas Zule and Serge Gnabry in that we've waited way too long, especially with Niklas Zule. We've explicitly heard that the one reason he was going to Dortmund was that because he felt more appreciated there, because he felt like he would be more accepted, more, I'm, I'm not going to say popular, because I think he was pretty popular at Bayern before the whole transfer drama, but he is going to be more appreciated at Dortmund, or at least that's what he feels. And honestly, I can't really blame him for that. And I agree that if you wait way too long to start negotiations, then you get the feeling that you're not really, their priorities aren't really as much as to extend with you because they want to, but because they don't really have a choice. And we see this with Lewandowski, like you said, once it became clear that we were not going to sign Erling Haaland, and while I don't know if the rumors that Hasan Salihamidzic was actually actively trying to sign him until the last second, it's just not good enough to actually attract Lewandowski to a new contract. And considering that the things that he's done for us, the titles he's won at Bayern, the titles he's won for us, the goals he scored for us, it's clear that the board did not give him the appreciation he deserves. And that is, I'm sorry, I know the board has made some successful signings in the past and that they're also responsible for our success over the past 10 years. But in recent years, I feel like they have become a bit too arrogant in that, well, they've 
they've maybe become a bit too drunk on their success. And as we know, there's been a lot of change going on inside the board as well. And I'm just not seeing how this is going in a healthy or right direction for Byron at the moment. Based on what you said to me, Teddy, I'm just going to ask you something. Since we know that the board went, you know, it underwent such a huge shakeup recently with Karl Heinz Rummenigge leaving and Uli Hernan stepping down. Do you think that is really the source of all the problems at Bayern Munich right now? That the fact that the new board is just inexperienced? Um, well, let me put it this way: with Kale and Uli, we had two pl- we had two ex players who basically lived and breathed Bayern every second of their lives and their careers, and we had people that could actually identify with the club and its ethos. And with Herbert Heiner and Oliver Kahn, I know the latter has played for us and is a legend and everything. I just don't see that Bayern DNA at the moment. They're not the ruthless negotiators, yet somehow inviting and family-friendly leaders that Rummenigge and Hernes were. And of course, since right now is kind of the infancy of their careers as board members of Bayern, I might be making a judgment too soon. But from what I've seen at the moment in regards to transfers, negotiations, and everything else, really, is that we do seem to be in a state of transition, and said transition has brought upon many more negative aspects and positive ones. And of course, I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. I don't think any of us do. But from what we've seen so far, from the results that we've garnered so far, and the direction that we're going in, in terms of transfers and negotiations, it does seem like we we have taken a step back into, or taken a step in the wrong direction, if you will, in regards to treating players as well, players who should be appreciated at Bayern, who should feel at home in Munich. And of course, there's probably a lot more to this that I don't understand, but just from a results perspective, I feel like that's the direction we're going in right now, and it's probably not the ideal direction to go in at the moment. Yeah, I, it is. does feel like something is missing in the Bayern board that Uli and Carl used to bring to the table. Like, I can't just put my finger on it, but it seems that the new board is a little bit indecisive, a little bit more risk-averse which is understandable because they have inherited a juggernaut and they don't want it to slow down. They don't want to be responsible for bringing down Bayern Munich, but there is such a thing as being too cautious. This is why I do want to cut Brazo some slack. Like, I know that on Bayern football Twitter, Brazo is everyone's main villain, and that seems to be filtering down to the local fans as well. Like, Brazo seems to be public enemy number one, but Brazo's power seems very limited to me. He can only make signings when the supervisory board signs off on them. Otherwise, he's limited to just free transfers and youth signings. And when your sporting director is so limited, how is he supposed to shape the squad in any meaningful way? That is not to say that Brazo does not have his shortcomings. I think he does. But even so, the people above him they also need to bear some of the responsibility because Brazo, this is not his first season at Bayern Munich. He was in charge since Carlo Ancelotti's for a second season, sorry, Carlo Ancelotti's second season. 
So that's a very long time to be in charge as sporting director. And in that time, he has had successes and failures and has won a treble. So in terms of Brazo's general, what should I say? Brazo's record, it's not that terrible. Whereas Bayern's recent record, ever since our main two bosses, Uli Hernes and Rummenigge, they started taking a step back. Everything started to go badly. You tell me something, okay? Do you think, remember when Kingsley Coman gave that interview and he said, I might retire if I get another injury like the most recent one I got. That was a big shocking interview at the time. Do you think any of our current bosses would do what Uli did and take him down to their home in Turkency and treat him to some cookies, have some talks with him and just convince him to keep plucking away at his career and not let the injuries get him down. Do you think any of our current bosses, Brazo, Heiner, Khan, do you think any of them will do that? Not in the slightest. I'm sorry exactly. if I'm being too blunt. but I mean, yeah, I, I, exactly. I imagine that everyone will agree with you because they don't give that vibe of, that vibe of a community buy-in, that family vibe. These guys do come across as very corporate, you know? And you think about, remember, if you've seen the Amazon documentary, that was that part where Khan was taking over and he had all these big plans for buying. And I remember Chuck talking about this, that he saw it and he thought that was complete and utter nonsense, that it looked like something that a big corporate executive in the U.S. would come up with, which is all fluff and no substance. And that's what it looked like to me as well. Like it looked like a soulless thing and... I don't know why it was so front and center in a documentary about Bayern Munich, where the football should be front and center. I think Khan, despite being a former former player, he has fallen into the trap of becoming a soulless executive. And Herbert Heiner, Heiner, I don't even know how much power he has at the club. He seems to never say anything provocative. He never says anything that we can take at face value. He, all his statements are PR trained. He never gives big interviews to actual neutral media outlets. And I don't know what to make of him, to be honest. That All of that just leaves Brazo because these two guys keep such a strange, low profile. Brazo is the guy taking the brunt of all the criticism. And that's a little bit unfair, in my opinion. Well, I do agree with a lot of what you've said, because... You're absolutely right. Heiner and Khan look more like businessmen than people suited to running a football club. And I did read somewhere that Khan specifically said that Bayern's competitors are not football clubs like Real Madrid or Borussia Dortmund, but media entertainment conglomerates like Amazon and Netflix. I mean, come on. I know football is a commercial business nowadays, but but you're comparing a football club to something like Amazon and Netflix. And that's just, you know, you're comparing apples to oranges. It's not even apples to oranges. They're just two completely different things. And well, while I agree that football is a commercial business, it's not that, I mean, come on, who compares football clubs to Amazon and Netflix? That's just, it's not even comparing apples and oranges. It's comparing apples to pots and pans. That, that's how different they are. They're in two completely different worlds and with very little overlap, if any. And well, I do agree that from a business standpoint and an economic standpoint, that it is important for us to stay self-sufficient since we don't have a rich owner like some clubs like Chelsea or Manchester City. And But all the same, 
it does seem like the board is putting the emphasis on the wrong areas. And here's where the whole family issue, the family community feeling that used to characterize Bayern comes into play. I feel like Heiner and Khan are viewing our players as employees. And to a certain extent, they are. But they're not viewing them as valued members of our club. And and I'm not entirely sure how I feel about that. Obviously, I do feel very uncomfortable with our players, players who we've identified with for years and years, just being treated as, well, just being just being treated as pieces in a in a board game or something like that. Pieces that are expendable and replaceable when the reality is you just don't replace somebody like Robert Lewandowski. You just don't replace somebody like Serge Gnabry and Thiago and so many more examples that I can that I can give. And I know Kale and Uli couldn't stay forever. They're nothing lasts forever, especially in football. But not entirely sure that hiring two businessmen, two business executives was the direction that we want to go in as a football club. Yeah, that's pretty much yeah. I can't disagree with that. I mean, you said that point about viewing the players as pieces on a board. Just think about the most recent extension we saw, Thomas Muller. And what does Heiner say whenever Thomas Muller is brought up? He says, and this is pretty much word for word what he says whenever Thomas Muller, anything about him comes up. He is the face of FC Bayern. He is as German as, or sorry, he is as Bavarian as Oktoberfest. It's like he's reading from a script. Nothing that comes out of this man's mouth sounds genuine. And when we see someone that is... So special to us, Thomas Muller, get extended. You'd think something more heartfelt would be in store, but instead we get these very sanitized statements. And even though the photo shoot in his recreated bedroom was an amazing touch, probably one of the best contract extension photo shoots I've ever seen. Like it's so unique. You will never see something like that at any other big club, in my opinion. Despite that, it felt so corporatized and it just felt a little bit weird because you see Thomas Muller, you don't see the guy getting his due. You don't see others getting their due the same way. Manuel Noir had to wait so long for his extension and he's still negotiating. And then you have Lewandowski, obviously, Gunnabry, everyone. And I don't know how much longer I can keep talking about this, Teddy. Honestly, I think we should move on to our next topic. Which is? Ah, replacements for Lewandowski, part two, Sasa Kalajic. Oh, God. Do we need to start talking about this? Because yeah, we need to. Is... We, we do need to talk about I, I possible. Know, I was just saying that, like, but... Yeah, I mean, look, there are two options open to us right now. Either we keep Lewandowski, wait till his contract expires, and then try and negotiate with him again when he is around 34, almost 35, and hope that whatever suitors he has right now, by that point, they will have dried out and we will be able to make him negotiate on our terms, or we sell him now. It appears that Barcelona are ready to pay 40 million. God knows where they're getting that 40 million from. Maybe we just sell him and then take that money, give it to Stuttgart and buy Sasa Kalajic. Now that Stuttgart are guaranteed to be staying up, Kalajic might be a little bit more expensive, but he does only have one year left on his contract. And he is two meters tall. So I I don't know what to say. Like, Last week, when we dis- and I discussed this with Samrin, the prospect of Lewandowski leaving still seemed somewhat remote. Like, I gave it a 30% chance of him leaving. Today, I give that 
more like 50, more maybe closer to 55%. And that's why I, I just, I don't want to talk about this. Well, like it or not, we're going to have to move on for Lewandowski at some point. And yeah, but I thought I, it I would agree. happen when he's like 38 and we have our next, uh, I don't know, up and coming striker, someone who is like 18 or 19 and like banging goals and 20 goals a season in the Bundesliga. Like that's when I that's when I thought that we would be moving on from Lewandowski when he's completely spent and he's given everything he can to the club and it's like a great send off and we let him go him Muller Neuer they ride off into the sunset and we move on to the next era with Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka and those that generation taking the forefront. I did not expect it to end like this, like an acrimonious separation. And him leaving while Muller stays and all this messiness, all this name calling, all the accusations, like people are saying that Lewandowski is lying about not receiving a contract from offer from the board, which I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. Who knows? But all of this is not a good look. And I didn't want it to end like this. I completely agree with you. While I didn't really expect Levy to retire with us, per se, I did think that he would try to end his career elsewhere, whether it's somewhere else in Europe or heck, even the even the MLS, because we know how much he, yeah, he has said that he wants to go there. So exactly. And even I, I think his wife said something about wanting to go there as well. But I do agree that I didn't expect Levy's saga to end this in with this much ugliness. And we saw back in 2018 that we were so determined to keep him. Well, especially Uli, Uli Hunas was determined to keep him. He didn't really allow any negotiation to, to take place, period. And ever since then, Levy turned over a new leaf. He wasn't the diva that we thought he was. He was determined. He was dedicated. He was professional. He scored goals left, right, and center. And look where that ended up. And look where he ended up. He became the best player on the planet. He won a sextuple. He basically won everything there is to, to, be, to be won. And I just, I, I'm not ready to say goodbye to Lewandowski. I mean, to think that this uh, disappointing season by Bayern standards, to think that this is his last season with us, is, and to think that he didn't even win his last game with us, that's just, that's just a tragic ending for one of the best, if not the best, strikers in Bayern history. And it's just, it's just tragic, but I mean, that seems like the reality that we're facing that we're facing right now. And like it or not, we're going to have to start moving forward. The question is, who do we really get to replace him or can we replace him at all? And I can tell you one thing, the answer definitely isn't Sasakala Isaac because he's just I mean, don't get me wrong, I think he had a great season with Stuttgart last season, but he had a big injury this season. He is his productivity levels were nowhere near the levels that that he produced last season as well and i know he scored a goal against us but come on we were basically clocked out didn't mean anything and he's a very i feel like he's a very one-dimensional player he is two meters tall he's good at getting on at the on the end of crosses but i mean for one thing we're terrible at crossing so that's good exactly wow (laughs) and and other thing he's not i mean i don't think he suits julian nagelsmann's um side if anything, he reminds me more of a slightly taller Sandro Wagner. And, well, while I do love Sandro, I think he was a very good backup. We were never going to start Sandro in a Champions League semifinal or a quarterfinal, were we? And 
maybe getting Kalizic is good if we're getting him as a backup to whoever we're going to sign, be it Sadio Mane or or somebody else. I'm I'm hearing reports that Juan Felix might come to might come to Bayern or or something like that. I I don't even know what to believe anymore. But starting Kalizic as our main striker in the Champions League or even in the Bundesliga for that matter, that's that's not going to get us anywhere. I mean, I know we've won Champions Leagues with lesser strikers than Lewandowski. I mean, with all due respect to Mario Mandzukic or Giovanni Elbert, they weren't like what you call quote-unquote world-class strikers, right? But, I mean, you can't just expect somebody from a relegation-level team come to a, a mega club like Bayern and suddenly turn them into trouble winners again. So that's my that's my little tirade on Sasek Lizic. Don't get me wrong, I think he's a good player, but there's being being a good player is one thing. And being on Bayern Munich's level is another. So yeah, what? exactly, exactly. M- my opinion on Sasa Kalajic is just twofold. First of all, the fact is that like I can't deny that it appeals to me to sign a huge two meter tall giant just because Niklas Zula is leaving and we have the giant quota unfulfilled right now. So that that sounds fun, but. <laughs> I don't want him to replace Louis, please. Like, come on. And like, he might do well, but even if he does well, what is well in this circumstance? 20 goals a season, maybe in the Bundesliga, if he gets really good service, which I don't think he will. And that is not enough. That's half of what Lewandowski gives us. And then you have the question of everything else. He's so young. What will his holder play, his link-up play look like? How will he fit in with Nagelsmann's system where let's be honest even Lewandowski has struggled with this season Nagelsmann's system is not very easy for strikers to play in and then the final thing that I need to say is that our last transfer from Stuttgart turned out to be a total scam and I don't want to buy anyone from them ever again if you're talking about Benjamin Pavar then I guess I guess you have a point there you you have to agree with me come on yeah I mean it's yeah I, I know the guy won a World Cup, but let's be real. He's not white. Let's be real. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that, I mean, we are getting Matsraoui just to replace him as a right back. I mean, it, that just says it all, doesn't it? We've been trying to get a right back for ages. Well, I mean, so here's the thing. Um, let's put Kalarzic to the side for, for now, because again, he's not going to replace Lewandowski, like it or not, even if we do end up getting him, which I think is unlikely. I mean, how do you replace a 40, 50 goal a year striker? I mean, that's that's like no amount of money will be able to replace Lewandowski, which is why I think that as much as it would hurt us financially, it would be better to just let Levy run out his contract and let us actually look for replacements with the one year of time that we bought. Because right now, even if we do sell him and even if we do turn a profit, there's no one that we can actually spend that money on. And I know, again, I'm bringing up Sadio Mane, but he's not your typical center forward. And I know what you said about Nagelsmann's system being not too friendly for strikers in general. But if you're going to win games, if you're going to win big titles, you need a classic number nine striker. And that's just, I know there are teams like Chelsea and Man City who have won titles without out-and-out strikers, but... I don't think that playing without strikers is what characterizes Bayern Munich's style of play. I mean, we've seen every time we've won the Champions League, we've seen strikers, whether they're world-class or 
international class, if you want to put it that way. We've seen strikers left and right. And moving into a strikerless direction, I, there's been all this talk about whether or not we're going to be able to attack more diversely without Lewandowski, that players like Gnabry and Zane and everyone else are going to score more goals without Levy hogging up the attack. But I mean, come on, does that even make sense? We're, we're talking about 50 goals a year. And from what Gnabry and Zane and even Coman for, and even Kingsley Coman to a certain extent, from what they've shown us this season, that's, I mean, have they even scored like 30 goals between the three of them? That's, that's not enough. It's not going to be enough to win us the Bundesliga, let alone the Champions League. So I don't know how we're going to replace Levy, but it's not going to be a walk in the park. Yeah, exactly. Like when we bring this point up, it's always that point that gets brought up that we won the treble with Mandzukic as a striker. But the thing is, Mandzukic, when he was here, he had Robin and Ribéry with him to take that scoring burden off him. And we don't have someone to take the scoring burden off Lewandowski right now. That's why he's our main scorer. It's not a product of the team relying on him too much, more that the team is set up to rely on him. It needs him to score. Otherwise, we look impotent. He was the only guy who scored against VRL with Thomas Muller assisting it. That is what this squad is. That is what this squad's DNA is. We feed the striker. And as we've seen with Nagelsmann this season, his attempts at changing our DNA have been subpar at best. I mean, look at the failed experiment with the back three. And if we have to go strikerless next season with Nagelsmann at the helm, please, no. Instead, just give me, I don't care about the 40 million, and I don't think Bayern should either. Let Lewandowski stay for another season. I think he's more than professional enough to get another 30-goal season, even under unhappy circumstances. And he will be worth money in the Champions League when we come that far. So are you and I in agreement on that? Keep Lewandowski for one more season? I think we are, yes. I'm just not ready to say goodbye to Lewandowski, whether it's on a sporting level or an emotional level. It just can't end like this. We are we are in we are not admittedly not in the best place at the moment going forward. There are a lot of questions that need to be answered, a lot of changes that need to be made, but one of those changes is not replacing our main striker and replacing him with God knows who, right? Exactly. So that is Teddy Sun's debut podcast. Thank you, Teddy, for being with me today. You really Thanks saved our butts you. because no one else was available. And really thank well, you for that. It was my pleasure. Yeah. And I hope that you will keep on doing this. Remember, guys, you can join us now. We are accepting applications for podcasting and writing and you can find the post on our blog that explains everything about it remember we here at bavarian podcast works we can be found on twitter at bavarian fb works and our personal twitter accounts which i don't remember the handles of and we can also be found on spotify apple google whatever you use to listen to us and that's all we have to say this was i need no name and teddy son we wish you a very good night